Hello and welcome to a very, very special episode of Movies Last Night. It is our 50th anniversary, our 50th episode. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I, I tried counting them and I think there's one missing. Is there? I don't, well, we, I, I think this is technically our 51st because we have an unreleased episode on Kid Detective. We never released. Yeah. We didn't release Kid Detective? Nope, we never released Kid you Detective. You did art for it. I know. Um, so that's a nice one to have in the bank. I might do it as a special, you know, I might do it as a, tell you what I should do. I should do Patreon. Kid, yeah, right. Patreon, hundred dollars a month. Um, we could do as a nice bonus episode. I'll release it with this as a bonus, um, you know, for the 50th anniversary. Um, anyway, if in case you haven't noticed, cause it sounds so cool in here right now, this is the first time we've ever recorded in person ever. Yeah. yeah. Ever, ever. Yeah, and we're right now we're cramped down in Eric's dank, dirty cellar. Bunker. Yeah, it's very scary. It's very dark, very weird in here. Um, who's on the episode? It's me, Zach. I'm here. <laughs> What's up, <laughs> Eric? We've established this already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no delay with Skype, Zach. Uh, uh, you just got to get in. Don't wait for that delay. I, was, I didn't know if y'all were talking. I was like, I'm here. I know I'm here. <laughs> Unless you broke into my house, and I'm like, what are you doing to my house? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's just so weird. We've never done it before in person. So this is going to be weird for us because I, I, I feel like real, like a lot of uh, stage fright. Really? Yeah, a little just, bit of tension, you know? Just yeah. got to get into it. Yeah, it's got to unwind. Um, be the Scott. Be the Scott that you know you are. Okay, good. Yeah. I'll try. <laughs> try. Um, what are we doing? We're, do, we're going to do something special. Kind of special. Um, why don't you guys tell them what we're doing? Oh, well, so for the 50th, we were... Um, we were going to do the AFI uh, Top 100. We were going to watch all of the Top 100. Um, but then we were like, that would take an entire week to do, and that would be way too long an episode. So we were going to pick like 20 out of that, do a bracketing system. And then the more we talked about it, we realized that we might end up watching Schindler's List, and I really yeah, don't right. want to cry in front of Forrest any of Gump. you guys. Yeah, yeah, Forrest Gump, oh, which I, does not stand okay. the test of time. I don't care what anybody or says. Eric's favorite, Dances uh, with Wolves. Dances with, was that on there? Yes, yeah, it, it was. And we were talking, oh, me and Zach were talking about it behind your back, and we're like, I don't really want Dances with Wolves to get picked. <laughs> <laughs> so it was going to be that, or it was going to be, you know... Uh, uh, Citizen Kane, or Gold Rush, or something like that, and... It, everybody wants to listen to that so yeah. <laughs> uh what we did is we kind of we raided my uh movie collection that i had uh, everybody picked two movies and then we just uh all together picked another random two and we're gonna bracket them and uh it's a death match we're doing a death match between eight movies right now uh only you know eight will enter and only one will leave mm-hmm yeah, it's a Thunderdome situation. Whether it's a champion or not is up to us yeah. and the filmmakers. <laughs> so we have... Um, this is bracket one. This is bracket one. We have uh, Overlord, J.J. Uh, uh, Abrams production. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. not, not going to... No. I don't think I'm going to do the director's and, names. And Eric's eyesight's poor and mine is too. And we're trying to read the director's names of some of the boxes. <laughs> and I physically couldn't read the one for Mandy. <laughs> um. So we're doing Overlord against us, Jordan Peele. Then we have uh, Revenge versus Blood Simple. 
Then we have Mandy versus Gemini. And then Elysium versus Upgrade. So a pretty eclectic bunch of movies, but also, so there was some stipulation though. So Eric's got like a a wicked big collection of Criterion movies, um, very highbrow, arty stuff. Yeah. Um, But we don't want to be here all day because how we're going to do this is because <laughs> we're all in person, which is kind of fun. We're going to, we're going to do the death, lit, like the, the bracket. We're going to work through the bracket and then we're going to sit down and watch the movie in real time. And then we're going to eat some pizza. Then we're going to come back <laughs> on and talk about the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we should talk about the movie as it's I was going say, on. So how I was going to watch well, along. That'd be something interesting. <laughs> no, for but like what I was thinking was like, this is weird, but I was like, we're going to be watching a movie together so the other day i went to see um i, I went over to chris's you know, movies last night alum and i went to his house and we watched um moonlight. moonlight yeah moonlight and chris and i sat down in his in his in his place and i sat in silence like i was in a the movie theater we didn't talk the whole movie yeah and then the movie finished and then i was like but it's that kind of movie you know what i mean you yeah, won't be yeah, like yeah, laughing yeah. and joking yeah. during moonlight but I was but thinking it's not like, a knee slapper. No. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I was thinking like, are we gonna even like we can we'll talk about the movie when we're watching it because we might get some funny ideas. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. want us to sit and watch it like we're in the movie theater. That's super, that'd be so awkward. I mean, it'd be like a not critical mystery science three thousand. Oh yeah, totally. Because that's basically what that is, isn't it? Yeah, it just said, basically yeah. all it is. And then, uh, it, I don't know. I mean, if you if you if we do it like if we did it like that where we we recorded while we were watching it, sort of thing. And then put it out like on stream or whatever. Um, I don't know. I don't know legally if we can do that. I'm oh, not sure. Like, like, yeah. So you can do a commentary track. Um, so I know some people do. And what they do is like they, they'll record and do the commentary track. And then they'll like, um, they have like a timer at the beginning. So they go five, four, three, two, one, press play. And you press play on and they tell you what format they're watching it on. So you uh, can make sure you've got it on the right setup. Like we're doing it on the Blu ray or we're doing it on like, the one on Netflix, you know what I mean? Yeah. So then you record it and set it going. But the problem we would have for doing that is if we're watching it, say, because we're, we're in Eric's setup right now, he's got his big TV and his couch and everything. If we were going to do that, um, we would pick up the sound of the, the movie, we'd pick up on our mics. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that was so the next thing. So we'd have to do it in a way where we all had headphones on and we were watching the movie with <laughs> headphones on, but then we were talking about the movie, you know what I mean? Yeah, Which is kind of yeah. awkward. But like, I think though, as we watch the movie, though, we'll talk and have a laugh, and we'll, oh, oh, that's funny, yeah, that's goofy. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Get ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's kind. Of... So, you have a like a an app for a coin toss. Eric, I do for the bracket. I do because we're not we're no strangers to a good type bracket here. This is not first rodeo. Uh, all right, so we're gonna do Overlord versus us first. Uh, we'll go Overlord tails and us heads. And it is Tails Overlord wins that one. Okay, so I'm going to make a note of this as you do this. Um, Okay, so Overlord, it is. All right. Frank Dukes moves on. (laughs) We'll go uh, Elysium uh, versus Upgrade. Uh, Elysium Heads, Upgrade Tails. Got Upgrade. Wow, Tails never fails. Ah. Heard that expression? (laughs) All right. Uh, we got Revenge versus Blood Simple. Uh, we'll go uh, Heads, Revenge, and Tails, Blood Simple. Tails, Blood Simple. Wow, Blood Simple. All right. 
is this all hitting tails? Maybe it's one of those <laughs> yeah, fake apps. I... It's like a, a double-sided <laughs> coin. Well, I isn't mean... that thing that with coins that like the like one of the sides of the coins weighs more than the other, so like it would statistically fall that way? And yeah. I think that's, it was tails on like in England. I think it was tails. Anyway. But, this but, is on a but then still statistically, though, you could still go tails 10 in a row. Yeah, that's it's true. still 50-50, isn't it? Oh, I guess that is true. All right, yeah. we're going to go tails Mandy and then heads Gemini. Let's see. Tails Mandy. Wow. So <laughs> I'm, get, moves through. I'm getting a real tails. Then did Eric just deliberately put Mandy as tails because he wanted to watch it? <laughs> He's rigging the vote. Rigging the vote. It's all canceled. All right, and now we are down to uh, the semifinals. We got Overlord versus Mandy. We're going to go Tails, uh, Overlord, and Heads, Mandy. Heads, Nick Mandy. Cage moves wow. through again. App does work. Uh, we are going to go uh, Upgrade versus Blood Simple. So Upgrade is Heads, uh, Blood Simple, Tails. Blood Simple's moving on. Wow, okay. Oh, down to it now. Down to the final. So now we got Mandy versus Blood Simple. We're going to do heads for Mandy, Blood Simple Tails. And we're watching Mandy. Nick Cage wow. for the W, everybody. Wow. <laughs> Our friend Sam uh, Cicciolini. I yeah. think that's how you pronounce it. God, Sam, if I pronounce your name wrong, like, forgive me. Uh, I think it's uh, Cicciolini. He's uh, that's one of his favorite movies. He's been it, wanting to do that on the on it, the podcast for a it's while. It's really and both of you haven't seen it before. Uh, yeah, I've never seen it. I'm not oh, seeing it. This nope. is gonna this is gonna be such a fun movie. Oh, okay, to watch. cool. I'm excited. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I've heard all about it. I heard it's like super super trippy, super cool. Well, that's good then. I think that's I, everybody happy with that. Excited yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah this will be a good one. This well, the hands of fate have decided, so we can't even go back. Like, no, we are back. sworn no. by blood to this. Okay, cool. So um, I think that's it until we come back. Uh, we're going to chill out. You know what I mean? Have a, have a slice. Have a slice and um, a LaCroix or something or a Waterloo because <laughs> uh, none of us are really drinkers. And then um, we'll watch a movie. When we come back, we'll talk about Mandy starring Nicolas Cage directed by Panos Cosmatos. There you go. Correct? Yeah. And then comatose is cosmatose. Yeah. Zach <laughs> might be comatose when we get back. <laughs> okay. See you guys soon. Bye. We're back. Thanks for sticking around. Um, so let's just get it started. Nicholas Cage was born Nicholas Kim Cop Coppola? Coppola? Coppola. Coppola. Yeah. Coppola. In Long Beach, California, the son of comparative literature professor August Coppola, whose brother is director Francis Ford Coppola, and dancer slash choreographer. I'm not, I'm not, somebody called Joy something. <laughs> he is of Italian and Polish and German descent. Um, so like every American, basically. Um, Cage changed his name early on in his career to make his own. See full bio. That's as much as I got on IMDb. Okay. Nicholas Cage. <coughs> Let's talk Nicholas Cage. Let's talk favorite Nicholas Cage movies. Um, now, right now. <laughs> it's so difficult. Yeah, we it's... all have a we all have our screens open and we're all just looking through like the 109 credits. Well, I feel like like you got to break it out into like Nicholas eras. 
Like you got like his 80s and then you got like his decent, really good 90s, you mm-hmm. know, leaving Las Vegas and stuff like that. And then yeah. you got early 2000s, you know, decent. And then you got, it's just like different eras. Then it's like, it's a, it's a slalom from. <laughs> it's like what's good, what's not, what's hit, what's miss. <laughs> I mean, like, I love eight millimeter. I really do like eight mil. That's Joaquin Phoenix, isn't mm-hmm. it? Early Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix, Phoenix yeah. is in that movie? Yeah. He works yeah. at the uh, uh, the porn store. Oh, he does? He's got blue hair in it. I, I, honestly, I think I've only seen that movie once, because I, I, I remember enjoying it, but I also remember being kind of like a... Just an uncomfortable... A low-rent seven. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Um, comparatively, Tom Cruise, like, I, like the other day we were talking, Tom Cruise has like 48 movies. No. Yeah. What? I guess Tom Cruise I, is real picky about who works. I, with. I was gonna say, I guess, I guess that that makes sense because he is he. I assume he would be like super picky and very kind of con- <coughs> controlling about what he puts himself in. Where Cage is like, yeah, okay, yeah, totally, <laughs> it's a sort of thing. Where it's like, yeah, I mean, sounds interesting. I could see what I could do with it. He seems like the type of person who'd be like. Uh, it's a challenge. It might That's be a challenge. Exactly. Like you feel like you believe him when he's saying, "Hey, I just like doing this because I really want to see where I can go with it." Rather than, you know, some people would be like, "I just need the work." You know, he genuinely when you see articles and interviews with him, I genuinely believe that, "Yo, he's really wanting to branch off in all these weird ass directions." Yeah. Did you ever see his um the little kind of home movie that uh, Tim Burton did with the with the Superman? When no. he's in his Superman, they they um they made the costume that like he's in the costume, the whole thing, long black hair, like Con Air black hair, and and they're just talking about the oh, movie. Oh yeah, he's like, like the screen test for the the yeah, button. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I I think I really love that suit, that yeah. like kind of black suit, and I yeah. and I like the look of him with like the long hair and like I actually really. I think that's a missed opportunity. Like, I think it looked really cool. And, like, I think Burton could... Pro- I mean, I know Burton's, like, real hit and miss, but mm-hmm. I think he could have done something really good with that. I feel like his uh, his character from Con Air could have been in a really good southern drama, backwoods kind of drama. <laughs> his, hand co- his hair. His hair. His, his, his crappy accent. I feel like he could have been a really good deadbeat and, like, just in the south. Kind of like uh, Joe... Not Joe. Uh, what's that? Mud. Or like um that Sam Raimi movie The Gift, yeah. where Keanu Reeves plays that like see Keanu Reeves miscast in that, Nicolas Cage perfect casting in that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like that kind of like psychotic deadbeat like redneck kind of guy. Yeah. Bring in a cage for that. You don't yeah. put a Reeves in there. Reeves can't handle that. No. But like no. what's funny about on Wikipedia, they um break down his filmography. 1981 to 1988 his early work in breakthrough so what would his breakthrough be then was that like um uh peggy sue got married valley girl valley girl um i mean he was in stuff earlier than that like i i had mentioned rumblefish i think he's just in the background sort of thing uh fast times apparently he's in it's just in the background (laughs) he he, i think i think so Mm -hmm. uh he might have gotten cut out of the outsiders I could be wrong about that. Yeah, I don't know why that. I feel like he's in The Outsiders, but he's in Rumblefish, yeah? Yeah. 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 Um, so they break it down, yeah. So like 1981, 1988 is early work and breakthrough. 1989 to 1994 is career slump, which is interesting. 95 to 2003 is critical, sex, uh, critical success. 
uh, and Action Star. 2004 to 2011 is franchise films, which would be like what National Treasure. Um, what are the franchises he's been in? Oh, the Crudes, which was just animated. You know, that's how he makes his money when he was broke, is some of that animated Yeah, but not a lot of franchises, though, like for Cage. I don't think so. Um, Then um, (laughs) 2012 to 2019, prolifically on direct-to-video films. Oh, no. (laughs) 2020 to present, career resurgence. He is definitely in it. He is in a... Like, it's like... A renaissance for Cage, right? Yeah, Definitely. Kiss of, Kiss of Death with Caruso. Caruso, I actually love that movie. Where, where he's like jacked. Yeah, where they're trying to <coughs> um, ride the coattails of Tarantino. It's that whole era where everybody's trying to make their Tarantino movie yeah, or like their edge their, movie. their their oh. yeah their edgy Tarantino crime uh, film where he can't stand the. The taste of uh, plastic spoons. Or is that something. what it is? Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I remember <laughs> yeah. now. I remember yeah. now. And like, he's in good shape in that movie. I yeah. feel like um, that's probably that's got to be around the Con Air period because he's jacked in Con Air too. It's like two. It's two years before. Um, year after is uh, leaving Las Vegas. Okay, I'm just gonna go out and say my favorite Nicolas Cage movie is <coughs> Wild at Heart, the David Lynch movie, obviously. Um, which is funny because when we watched Mandy, the trailer for one of those movies was, um, it's a Paul Schrader movie with Dog Eat Dog. Dog Eat Dog. And correct me if I'm wrong, because I haven't seen it in a while. Defoe's in Wild at Heart too, isn't he? Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So like, it was kind of nice seeing those two together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd probably say Wild at Heart, I think is his best. I would honorable mention to um, Red Rock West. Is it Red Rock West? Yeah, like that, like yeah. um, noir. Yeah, like uh, um, that's a really good movie. That's a really good movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I can't remember who directed that. When, as we're talking, I'll look it up. Yeah, I, I really like that movie a lot. Um, it was during that whole period too. Here we go. Uh, John Dahl. Yeah, John Dahl. Um, also shout out to Laura Dern and Wild at Heart. Um. God, that movie's so awesome. I haven't seen that in so long. Yeah. You keep saying all like all the parts lower down. I was like, oh, that's right. She is in that. <laughs> I just, I, I'm just thinking about her because I watched um, the Jurassic uh, Dominion. Jurassic, I think it's Jurassic World Dominion, which uh, is, a, is a story for another podcast that's fucking atrocious. But Laura Dern in that, and then you know, you're, you're, you forget that Laura Dern was in, like, is really cool. She's yeah. in a lot of really cool shit. Oh, she's yeah. Younger. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go favorite it's as much as as much as he gets kind of crapped on for silliness and stuff like that he's just he's just made great movies i mean going down this list he's made a lot of good movies he's made a lot of just like great memorable movies i'm gonna go um i'm gonna go bringing out uh bringing out the dead oh nice yeah oh i love that film that wasn't even on this list i'm looking at right now i totally forgot about it good call did paul schrader write bringing out the dead uh no, it was Scorsese. Um, yeah, Paul Schrader. Yeah, uh, screenplay. Yeah, that, that, that's a really good pick. Yeah. Um, Goodman, uh, great. Um, <coughs> the great part from Ving Rhames. Yep. Where he's like, 
Yeah, yeah, solid movie, solid movie. Zach, are you going to pick uh, Captain Corelli's Mandolin? Uh, no, and not Wind Talkers either. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with uh, Lord of War uh, with him, Jared Leto, mm-hmm. uh, Ethan Hawke's in it. Basically, you know, it's a lot like that War Dogs movie. Just plays an arms dealer. Yeah. Uh, his brother's involved. Uh, I like Jared Leto's character. Him and uh, Nick Cage play off each other really well. John Cusack, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's just, uh, it's when he, to me, it's like he hasn't gone totally crazy yet. You know, with his eyes and the you know, way his mannerisms go in some of his movies these days. But I really like Lord of War. But I will give an honorable mention to World Trade Center just because his character's it's soft it's very it's not it's just a normal kind of everyday firefighter who you know is trying yeah. to talk in these scenes you know he's stuck in the building he's the way he's talking to his uh fellow firefighters trying to keep them calm it's just a very calm type of nick cage like nothing too outlandish it's a very serious movie but he does great in it so yeah that'd be my honorable mention okay yeah i haven't seen it i, I really want to see that um I guess, like, we all know that he's going to be playing Joe Exotic in... Uh... Oh, it's a Tiger King series. It's not a movie. I, I thought was he was not doing aware a... of this. Yeah, I, I thought he was going to do the movie. I'm a little disappointed by that. Um, but yeah, like, I would have to say, like, I'm trying to think of other actors who had, like, a resurgence, like, in, to the level that Cage has right now. And I, there's not many I can think of, really, like, who... I mean, Keanu Reeves kind of did. I suppose, like with John Wick, that kind of like mm-hmm. relaunched him a little bit. Um, Mickey Rock almost had it with the wrestler, but he yeah, didn't really follow through. Um, yeah, there's not many that I can think of. I think that um, Rob Lowe kind of had one, but it was on television Yeah, um, with uh, Parks and Recreation. Um, but I feel like, and it's maybe just because of like the volume of work that he's done. And like, I feel like everybody likes Nicolas Cage. Like, yeah, you, yeah, they like him either ironically or unironically. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, it's exactly. the best of both worlds. Yeah. <laughs> to feel like, yeah, at some point, you know, it, he was just a complete meme. You know, everybody just, everybody was ripping on, you know, his whole uh, straight to DVD just run. But, you know, with Pig and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I feel like that shows definitely that, you know, you got financial problems, you know, he had to do what he had to do. But, I mean, I feel like, you know, it's a resurgence for somebody that I think deserved a resurgence. You know, he just made bad decisions, I guess. Yeah, he's like not a bad guy. No. I mean, well, I've heard, like, I'm not, but not TMZ, but I've heard some stories about him. But I guess he, he has his demons like most people do. But he's not like a straight up, like, um, I'm trying to think of like somebody. He's not Kevin Spacey. You know what I mean? Oh, no, no, no. Um, well, I mean. Like even nothing's, nothing's come out yet, so yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but you'd think it would have done by now. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like he made it through Me Too. He made it through. Yeah, he did know. make it. Yeah, it's not kind of like you wouldn't have thought he would have made it through A Two, but he did. He made made it through that. So I guess like he's clean, or liked enough, or liked or, enough, or maybe yeah. you know it's like like uh, it's just a like with the uh, unbearable weight. Mm-hmm. It's just like oh. It's this is my job. It's just a job. Yeah, and like, I think that's like what's a nine to five worker, him. you know. Yeah. So yeah, he's like a, he's like a, a journeyman, and yeah. I kind of like that about him. And I think that's part of the reason why I do like him is that like I don't judge him for just getting a paycheck to get himself out of debt. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that that's honorable, and he's working, and he's and he's con- But like I I feel like 
he'll take the movies to get him to get the paycheck but i also feel he's not like putting in a lesser performance he's not mm -hmm. doing like i know bruce willis had his like health problems and i think that's to do with a lot of why he's just getting as much money as he could probably and doing like as little work as he could mm -hmm. but like with cage though i feel like he's still giving you cage every single time but it's just obviously he's been let down by the material like i i don't have it doesn't strike me as somebody who's just like phoning it in yeah you know i think he enjoys acting i kind of get that vibe from him that he enjoys what he does yeah you know and i think it's kind of infectious i think I, I think it's that that very disarming quirkiness quirkiness he has yeah especially in the interviews and stuff he just comes across as like he's outlandish but like in the cool uncle way yeah where he's yeah. like oh man yeah. it's just uncle nick right there he's you know got a machine gun sitting on his counter and he's wearing a Hawaiian t-shirt and stuff yeah. like that. That's all good. He's eating mac and cheese. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's Nicolas Cage. Like, what's the great thing about this is if you're listening, you probably have, like, a whole handful of movies that you're, you're like, oh, that's my favorite. And, like, we haven't even probably mentioned them. You know what I mean? Oh, there's so many. There's so many. So yeah, many. Yeah. Um, I have heard that within the, the dreck of director DVD Redbox stuff, I've heard that there's one or two really good ones like surprisingly good where you wouldn't expect it which in a way kind of brings me to start talking about mandy a little bit is that like i'm going to be honest like i saw the first time i saw mandy i for somehow i missed it on the radar on online like when in whatever like feeds or blogs or what i read you know what i mean mm -hmm. but like i distinctly remember the first time i saw mandy was at redbox Oh, okay. And so I automatically wrote it off. Mm -hmm. Automatically. Then it wasn't until a little bit later that everybody who I know started to like, you know, blow it up, talk about how good it was. And then like I actually sat down and watched the trailer and was like, oh yeah, this looks really good. Yeah. Yeah. And now you've experienced it. And now I've had a full dose yeah. of Mandy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so do you want, should we talk about Mandy? Anything else on Nicolas Cage? Nah, it's uh, good to go with Mandy for me. Yeah. A national treasure. Yeah. No pun intended. Oh, pun no, intended. all pun intended. All pun intended. <laughs> um, I kind of really, kind of want to watch National Treasure again because some people really love those movies. I, I like both of I've them. I've seen there. them both, but like, I can't remember. Is one of them about like Confederate gold? Uh, the second one is about the Lincoln assassination. Oh, is the Confederate gold it's one the Sahara? First, the first one has the treasure, like the, the oh, gold okay. treasure. I think I'm just thinking of Sahara. Oh, wait, no, the second one, second one has uh, the big city of gold. That's right. But oh, Sahara right. has the, the Confederate, Confederate gold. gold, yes. That's what I'm thinking of. And I, I, I know I've definitely seen it, um, National Treasure 1 and 2. Um, but I, I kind of I want to rewatch them because, yeah, people speak really fondly of those movies anyway was Man, Sahara oh, I thought that was Matthew McConaughey yeah but I think that's why I was getting confused oh, because that's like honey. Penelope Cruz Matthew McConaughey and like oh, Steve Zahn yeah that's like my favorite God, author and it is the worst adaptation of a book who it, wrote that uh, Clive Custler Clive Custler yeah and yeah. it's like it's horrendously butchered the story and I thought yeah just the acting the the uh, casting is yeah yeah I think that's before McConaughey was good you yes. know like, was McConaughey good pre? I mean, what was he oh, in pre True um, Detective that was good? Uh, Days and Confused. Yeah, but I mean, it's <laughs> like a, you know what I mean? Time to Kill is good. I do like. Yeah, that. Time to Kill. Time to Kill is probably the best of his drama. His of early, but I'm a Grisham head, just like you're a Kussler head. Yeah, you know what I mean. So Link, yeah, there's Lincoln sure. Lawyer then. But that was post. That was post. Was it post True Detective? Oh, yeah, I have no. 
No, it was probably right about the same period. Like of time. two for the money that Al Pacino. Oh god, went, that I saw in theaters. That was terrible. A, that was a terrible. I know, like I've seen all of his like uh, what like wedding, not wedding planner. Like yeah, he's in the wedding planner. Failure to launch, uh, failure to launch all yeah. the romantic comedy shit that he Fool's did. Fool's gold. And like I feel like the <laughs> Days and Confused thing. Everybody looks good in Days and Confused because such a good movie. Yeah, like Ben Affleck's really good in that. Yeah, you know, um, takes that paint really well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But like, yeah, pre-True Detective, but then post-True Detective, not a lot. Like, really? I mean, Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah. Which I think is a good movie. Is I, that post? Yeah, post. That's mm-hmm. the, the McConaissance. Oh. Yeah, that was when he was like the comeback kid. Magic oh, Mike. So and, we can compare him a little bit to Nicolas Cage. The only difference is, is he doesn't have much of a storied career like Cage does. And I feel like Cage was working when Connie, he was probably still in diapers. I, yeah, I would imagine, yeah. Um. Yes, Mandy. About Mandy. Um, so we sat down and watched Mandy, and there was the movie that won our um, deathmatch knockout bracket style um, mm-hmm. arrangement yeah. that we did. It was Mandy or uh, Blood Simple. Yeah, interesting. Tell you what, that's two very different movies we would have been talking about. Yeah. Nine Day. Uh, yeah, yeah, the conversation would have been very, very different. The intro and... Um, the topic would have been, I th- I think just as good because the Coen brothers are, you know, great, but yeah, I mean, Mandy is going to be something. Else. Yeah, for sure. Um, so as I'm prone to do, I'm going to be very hyperbolic right now. Um, right now, if I was to be asked what my top 10 favorite movies of all time were, I'd probably put Mandy in, in this for the, Obviously, I say that crazy shit all the time, and I get like really hyped on things, and I'm like, oh my god, I love this shiny new thing, I love it so much. But um, it, it'd be right next to Maverick, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. Top Gun Maverick, which I've kind of already. Um, but no, um, I think Mandy is superlative. Like, I think it is absolutely phenomenal. Um, I like I like anything. I, you know, like Enter the Void, the Gaspar Noe movie, mm-hmm. um, where he he made a movie to make you feel like you're on drugs. Yeah. That's basically what Mandy does. Mandy makes you feel like you're high and like, yeah. I I remember there's only been a couple movies that have had like um, a physical um, effect on me in the same way that Mandy did. And that was Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. And then the second one was Natural Born Killers. Oh yeah, you see, I felt I I remember mm-hmm. I saw that in the theaters and I came out and I was like I feel high right now like like I've been on drugs, and um, that's Oliver Stone and who did Fear and Loathing? Terry Gilliam. Gilliam, yeah. So like, I don't think it's a big stretch to say that uh, Panos Cosmatos. We'll talk about him in a minute. Um, he's playing in that ballpark alongside those directors in terms of like what they can do like visually yeah like in terms of because gilliam and gilliam is a really good like um cross-reference for panos and i think ridley yeah. scott is too the movie legend springs to mind mm-hmm. a lot when i watch that oh, movie yeah, yeah, yeah. um but like those directors say ridley scott oliver stone terry gilliam are all like like supreme visualists yeah in terms of like the like Oliver Stone obviously is has more of a like a contemporary aggressive style, but like Natural Born Killers has that kind of a vibe too, where it's like um it kind of puts you in a trance, um and it's kind of like beautiful and horrifying and beautiful and horrifying all at the same yeah, time. Yeah, very like surreal. Yeah, I think it's a really good pull. Um, 
So we all sat down and watched it. Um, Zach. I really loved it. Yeah, I was, I was a bit worried. I didn't know if you were going to, I don't know. I couldn't tell. See, we laughed, you know. I got, my reference for it was 60s psychedelic movies that I've yeah. seen in my more partying days where that's, <laughs> I watched a lot of like 60s and 70s drug movies because, I mean, like this movie, you can fit a really simple story, you know, of, you know, love, revenge, but you can trip it out. You can make it seem like, you know, fantastical, maybe even, you know, got that uh, otherworldly kind of feel to it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, because of the camera work he uses in this, and just like the 60s uh, type of trippy movies, it just, it makes it into a horror movie when really it could be just even just like a violent uh revenge you know get back at you kind of movie yeah this whole movie from start to finish is like one long trip and i think that what makes it creepier for me is the same way that the exorcist um the way that music is done where it's just this movie has a lot of pulsating orchestral kind of thing yeah and it just it gets you when it starts doing it you kind of you're like oh something's about to go down but it's a quick moving, like very light sensitivity kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in certain scenes. So I feel like it keeps you going even at the beginning, you know, you're kind of working your way to um, the more crazier parts, but I really loved it just because, yeah, I might not have watched this movie um, even with Nick Cage. Um, if, you know, if we hadn't have been looking at it and you guys were saying, you know, we should, you know, this movie is pretty damn good. Um, so yeah, I really liked it. I thought, what is her name? Andrea Riseborough? Yeah. I yeah. thought she was really good. It's like this very, not even scared, but timid and just kind of lives in her own world kind of thing. Like mm -hmm. the way her eyes are so big, it's almost like she is not supposed to be in this world and she's kind of foreign. Like That's a really good description. I think that's a really good way to describe it. Because, like, she's like ethereal almost like yeah, yeah. yeah. like uh -huh. it's like this isn't where i am in my head so i don't really know you know what's going on so she takes a lot of things almost like she's investigating almost and she just has a really good sad face i really enjoy her <laughs> her like her frown and not even a frown but just her solemn face uh it just it just endears you and with the scar that she has it kind of gives you that extra like no, you want you don't want anything bad to happen to her. She seems like she's very vulnerable, and Nick Cage is kind of there to kind of watch out for her and kind of you know almost keep her in this world, like yeah, grounded, because yeah. she feels yeah. like you know she does her painting, she does her drawings, and just the way she does feel like she might just float off into just you know just a, another world kind of thing. But yeah. I thought she was great, and uh Richard Brake uh who plays the chemist I always love him he uh he's been in a couple movies I like uh he was in the uh Devil's 3 I think which is the third of the Rob Zombie movies mm -hmm. and then he is in Doom with The Rock which is just a fun Man, that's a good movie. pull that you pulled that when we were watching it too cuz like uh, just after we watched it cuz I thought it was Jackie Earl Holly, Haley, Haley, Haley yeah and um yeah, you pulled that Doom thing really quick, like out of nowhere. And I was like, and I'm the more I'm thinking, I'm like, yeah, he was in Doom. That was a good pull. I'm not, I'm not a director, dude. I'm, I got, I got some actor knowledge though inside my little brain. <laughs> um, 
Eric? So this is the... I'm really glad that we were able to watch this movie. I'm glad it won. Um, this is the second time that I'd seen it. And I, I really kind of... I appreciate it even more. Because um, I kind of... I didn't forget uh, things about it. But I forgot the way that it was filmed or the way it would, the, the presentation yeah. of it, mm -hmm. because it, because it, it has that very kind of that trippy vibe to it. You forget that the camera goes in and out of focus sometimes, or yeah. like the, the colors that they use and, and, um, like when they're laying in bed and they're talking, like she's like very, uh, lit up in a certain way to, to make you feel like, um, everybody else's tones are very kind of muted in certain scenes where she is like very vibrant and alive. And that's what mm -hmm. her character is like, like with what you said, Zach, it's like, she, she is very otherworldly, um, in this movie. Um, and I think that's down to like the, the like fantasy books that she's reading, the music that she listens to the art that she does. Um, when she's in her kind of, even when she's dreaming, she's dreaming about things that are not of this world. So, uh, super interesting the, the way that they, I mean, the way that they play with light in the movie alone is, is it's storytelling just with the lighting. Um, and then I, I like the fact that you're, you don't know if the movie is taking place in our world or if it is in another world, meaning there's a switch that happens and uh, the characters that they bring into it uh, are similar to her. It's other, they're otherworldly. Like, are they just methed out biker guys or are they uh, supernatural demons who, mm -hmm. who uh, like, manifest themselves <clears throat> into these uh into these bikers and um just the whole mythology like like the relics that they use to call the bikers yeah. sort of thing i forgot and, that one. i forgot that uh, and then the, was like called. the 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 knife of the void or whatever yeah. it was called mm -hmm. you yeah. know so it's it's all it's just very kind of folklore slash um, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, I was yeah, yeah. I was gonna mm -hmm. say like it, it's per, it's the perfect movie for uh, <laughs> its time. If this wasn't set in the eighties, when kind of all that uh, all that media of of like yeah Dungeons and Dragons and like fantasy and heavy metal and stuff like that was at its peak or like coming to to its peak at that time and and it kind of informed whatever that culture was at the time um it's super useful so i i thinking about uh cage's character i always imagined him as because uh, in the movie he's he's a like a lumberjack or he like he works on like uh a logging crew yeah like a yeah. logging crew something mm -hmm. like that i always kind of imagined him because it, it, it's set in like 83 so i imagine him his character probably being in vietnam yes true or like very young in vietnam mm -hmm. and um so that it would make sense age-wise mm -hmm. um so it, that that to me that makes sense that he has that 
kind of combat knowledge and then the and then the yeah. guy that he yeah. goes to visit to get the mm-hmm. the crossbow he's in he's in army fatigues too sure, probably yeah. served together yeah. sort of deal he has a john rambo kind of vibe yeah, to him, yeah. he's like kind of like a a broken loner kind of yeah. like yeah yeah, totally. yeah yeah and he yeah that that character was like um you know, haven't seen you for a while and like yeah. he kept his weapons for him and yeah and kind of told him a little bit about the uh, the bikers and then like the all the strange stuff that was going on there so it just it just the the story of it and the mythology and everything that was kind of built up around these characters uh is so so interesting and in the same way that mandy is kind of out outside of this world uh cage's character who i i don't remember the name of that character i want to say it's red Uh, it's red Red. yeah Yeah. red um which makes sense because he's like the living embodiment of red that color (laughs) like that color color throughout the entire thing um he's also kind of outside it too he's it's it's a it's kind of a hero's journey in a way, you know, he's, he's going to slay the great evil of this world to avenge his, his love. It it has all that in it. Um, but it just like every kind of every weird little trope that they play with the it's, it's so perfect and it's not quote unquote tropey, you know, even though it seems that way, it's, so perfectly choreographed the mm-hmm. way that they do it that that it, it's forgiven any any of that kind of tropiness of it so yeah. i mean i really love this movie yeah yeah i mean i do too i i i'm kind of obsessed with it right now and like <laughs> I, I was just saying to eric before i was like i i actually kind of want to watch it i could have watched it again immediately like just because i wanted to like re-see what i like you know what i mean like which is rare like for me to, to do, want to do something that quickly watch it um Hannes Kosmatos, interesting. Did you know that he was a, um, a video operator, second unit video assistant operator on Tombstone, 1993? No. Yeah, he's got a credit, yeah. yeah. And so he's 48, um, Kosmatos, oh, wow. which worries me. And for the one reason being, there's like, now I've seen this. I haven't seen Beyond the Black Rainbow, which is his first feature movie. Um, I, none of us have seen that. Yeah. No, no, um, I haven't. It worries me that he's 48 though, and he hasn't got. I, I, I'm like, let's get, let's get more movies out. Yeah, let's, let's go, let's, let's go. get cracking yeah. on this. You know, because I mean? for how long it takes to develop this stuff, exactly. he's gonna be in his mid 50s, late because 50s. Because I think he's like a true, true talent. Um, yeah. I mean, and the 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 pandemic kind of slowed everybody down, yeah. so it slowed him down slowed too. Him down. But like, uh, we had looked at a few things, and he's uh, doing an episode for the cabinet of curiosities the guillermo del toro series that's come out on netflix um maybe later this year yeah i'll be tuning in for that day one um actually uh, going forward like anything this guy puts out I'm gonna oh watch, yeah like immediately um you know i'm very curious to see what he does next but like yeah for me um there's a few things i really like really stuck out to me about the movie um riseborough andrew riseborough Geordie yeah. girl, yeah. hometown girl. Um, so obviously her and I share a deep bond over that. Um, to Newcastle? Yeah, she's from Newcastle. And what's interesting too is like we did an episode uh, here before, an earlier episode. Please tune in for that one. It's on the feed. Yeah. I forgot which episode it was. It was like like episode 34. Um, but we were talking about how good she is when we when that. And we were talking about like her 
her work in Black Mirror yep. is really, really good. Um, she's in Possessor. Possessor, which, yeah, yeah, which I watched. You didn't. You couldn't watch it. I can't it. handle Possessor. But I feel like if I can handle Mandy, I can handle I don't think you can handle Possessor. No, I don't think I can handle Possessor. <laughs> that that movie has like a weird elusive allure to me where it's like, it looks dangerous, that movie, which is kind of exciting. So yeah. I don't know. We'll get around to that. Um, that's... Cronenberg. Um, Cronenberg uh, Jr. Jr., yeah. No, not senior. Um, but yeah, Riseborough, like, just like Zach said, like, there's something about it. Like, she is... She, well, A, she's a fabulous actress, but she kind of like... What's crazy about it, too is despite that she's very distinctive looking and she is, she has these massive eyes um, and she's very skinny. Um, but like she, she disappears in the roles. So like, even though part of Mandy is her distinct look, mm-hmm. it's, it feels like it's Mandy's look. It doesn't feel like we're just watching an actress who has a distinct look. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, it, and she uses that, like she kind of like somehow manages to disappear into it, which I think is really, really effective. And then the character of Mandy is interesting because like just like you said Zach she has this like broken she has this like like fragility to her where like in this it's hinted we'll we'll talk about when we get spoilers but it's hinted that she had a very difficult upbringing and there's something about her where it's like yeah like the you get that vibe from Nicolas Cage that he's like this broken damaged ex-vet perhaps who's like and then she is this broken really frail like soft-spoken, quiet woman. And then there's like that the connection between the two of them where he's kind of like looking after her and like, yeah. and, she, and she feels his protection. And when they sleep together and when she lies next to him, there's like a very like really nice bond between those two. And I don't know if those guys were probably only met each other on the on set for this, mm-hmm. but they, they have a really good natural chemistry where it looks like they belong together in a way like... You you know, you know? that's what, what kind of... Uh... What I was thinking about too is one that um, one it's set in, the, in that time period, the eighties, where uh, if you know anything about the eighties, at least or eighties kind of fantasy art, like Frank Frazetta. I was just thinking of Frazetta. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think it's funny that like he's the protector and he's wearing that tiger shirt. Yes. He's where he kind of has that mm-hmm. orange tiger shirt, and like she's this kind of magical uh, pagan type uh damsel i don't know damsel in distress or whatever but i could just picture the a frank frazetta uh painting or drawing 100%. with like a tiger and her and yeah. the, the whole thing and it just makes perfect sense yeah this movie has like really strong frazetta energy well you know so i'll tell you the movies that all the movies that sprang in mind when i watched it conan yeah um for definite um which i think frazetta might have drawn some conan uh i'm not big on the like comic books yeah i, but I, I don't know if he did, did yeah some, um so um definitely conan krull the science fiction oh, fantasy movie with yeah. um liam neeson i think some krull um visually a lot like krull like a lot excalibur kind of yeah. give me vibes of excalibur like yeah. the um borman movie mm-hmm. um what else uh, mad max 2 uh, specifically yes. like Master Blaster, like in yeah. the in the kind of like um in Hellraiser, like the Cenobites from Hellraiser with yeah. the, like the in also Mad Max too because of the whole like uh, BDSM kind of bondage look yeah. that everybody yeah. has, like so like very big strong Road Warrior vibes. Um, was there something else? Certain cliff there? scenes too. Looking yeah. down had a very. I, I thought Mad Max right off the bat. Oh yeah, totally. Like um, 
Legend, I mentioned the mm-hmm. Ridley Scott movie. It gave me vibes of too. There's probably I could probably go on, and people probably could go on because he's probably pulled from a lot of stuff. But those were the movies that it definitely like vibed me of like immediately when I was watching it. Um, and like before we start talking about we're getting the nitty gritty and performances, I will mention Linus Roach who played Jeremiah mm-hmm. Sand, the um, the like um, the Manson, cult leader, yeah, the, the Manson S cult leader. Yeah. Um, wonderful performance yeah. yes like do we know what he's been in because zach i know you mentioned that you you did a deep pull because he, he's in he played uh bruce wayne's dad what's his name i can't remember what arthur bruce... wayne <laughs> big, big daddy wayne big daddy big daddy wayne, wayne. <laughs> big, big, big big daddy wayne yeah. <laughs> what is bruce wayne's father called thomas wayne thomas, thomas wayne, wayne. Yes. Yeah. he was in batman begins that's where i knew him that's first right, yeah. um I could totally picture him in the alleyway, and yeah, I know yeah, no, right now because yeah. like he's oh, that's what he's, he was in Law and Order for like twenty. Oh, he years. was. Yeah. Now, what a good act! Holy crap! Yeah, he was great. What yeah. a good, he was giving me that, like I said to you when we were watching it, that David Carradine kind of like vibe, yeah. mm-hmm. like almost Kill Bill esque kind of vibe mm-hmm. to him. Um, but like honestly, like linchpin performance in the movie. And what's interesting, we wa- we watched the special features on the Blu-ray um, from Eric's wonderful Blu-ray collection. And I, I, I was thinking when we were watching, I was like, God, this is why I miss Blu-ray. Because like the, the behind the scenes doc, whatever, yeah, you know? Yeah. And it, he was narrating the documentary kind of a bit and like talking about his experience on it. Um, and yeah, he just he's just like, and they mentioned that Cage, when he was approached to do the movie, Cage was actually interested in playing the uh, Jeremiah Sand character. Yeah. Um, and they were like, no, no, like, you know what I mean? You, 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 it's not the right role for you. And I'm so pleased that he didn't do that because I think this Jeremiah Sand performance by uh, Linus Roach, that performance, I don't think Cage pulls off. Mm-mm. I think mm-hmm. Cage goes to Cage on that oh, performance. Oh, he goes to Cage on it. <laughs> and I think that cage. like him being limited by what he can do with Red, like it keeps, it contains the Cage. Yeah. And then I, so I think like the, the best thing they did with the casting, I think Cage is awesome in it, but the best thing they did is not let him be the bad guy. Like 100 percent yeah um so his performance is amazing but like the one thing i want to talk about with you guys is for me the soundtrack to this movie is incredible like the the opening song when the movie kicks in i didn't know it was king crimson but i was digging it i was like this is sick yeah and like um all i could think of was like i was thinking about our friend spencer i was like spencer like this because this sounds like spencer's band yeah um uh, kiko and if you're interested in kiko i use kiko's music from time to time on the episodes so check them out um but like the soundtrack and then but not only like the 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 song choices but like the obviously the king crimson song and then there's like other songs like that mexican song that cielo lindo like mm-hmm. a traditional piece of mexican music mm-hmm. but the score the score for this movie is amazing and there's not a point in this movie where it is not only throbbing visually it's throbbing yes. sonically yeah there's never a silent moment in this no never a silent moment in in it that adds to that dream like I think the score is incredible. Like I would listen to this when I'm driving to work. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Um, but like, I definitely want to make sure we shout that out because like, just like you said, all, all the visual styling, yeah. I mean, this movie is visually stunning, yeah. like spectacularly shot. Um, there's some scenes, there's so many good scenes and so many good like framing scenes that I lost track. Like I was trying to remember ones that I wanted to pick out. Like there's a really cool scene when he, uh, the, Nicholas Cage walks into, this isn't a spoiler, but he walks into a church at some point in the movie and it's like a wooden church. That's like mm-hmm. man-made wooden church. There's a shot when the camera like is trailing behind him 
and you see all the beams of the church go down. Oh yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. It's, yeah. Isn't it incredible? Yeah. Like in so I agree with everything. Like I I we could talk all day about the fucking way this movie looks because it's incredible, but one thing I wanted to mention to you guys, do you know what liminal spaces are? Like that whole thing on the internet called liminal spaces? Mm, I mean, I might, but I don't, I'm not sure if I know the term. So it's kind of like this, like, um, I don't know what they call it because I'm 43 years old, so I don't know <laughs> what they call it, but it's, there's a, it's like a thing where it's on Reddit where they have like this subreddit, it's called liminal spaces and people send in photographs of like um, architecture or buildings empty. It has to be an empty room. So it could be like an abandoned mall mm-hmm. and a, like a, like a lot of seventies brutalist architecture, that kind of stuff. And like um, the photographs are um, designed. Sometimes it's like an old, like a, like a fast food restaurant and nobody, nobody's inside. Yeah. So they call it liminal spaces because it's, it, the, the picture for some reason unsettles you and you don't know why it unsettles you. Yeah, like the architect, yeah. architecture of like okay. the scene. Um, I hope I'm describing it well. I thought of liminal spaces a lot when I was watching this movie because of the design of the buildings. So like the house where um, Mandy and Red live in mm-hmm. is so distinct looking, but it's very off, off-putting and like it doesn't really make sense like on a geometrical way, like the way the windows are placed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the scenes later on where... Um, it's like they sleep outside. Yeah, yeah they know. Bedroom, glass, yeah. Bedroom but it's like there. something off-putting about it. Like, I can't tell if I, I think it's a cool place to live. Or I think it looks like a weird place to live. Like, it's mm. it's unsettling the way it's set. And, like, there's a lot of, like, rooms where he goes into. And it's, like, um, specifically later on when he's giving chase and, like, the revenge part of the movie comes in, there's, like... Um, this like they go into like it's like suburban style houses but they're out in the woods so they've been kind of like dilapidated and like yeah. decrepit they look like straight up drug houses yeah basically. like yeah like like and like trailers and stuff like that there's something very off-putting about that and then at the end the the climax of the movie this isn't spoiler but it takes place in like a catacombs yeah that goes down and um the interior of that is very weirdly and like it's just very unsettling all of it mm-hmm. and, like, mm-hmm. and so i thought about liminal spaces a lot and i think he he's very gifted at making spaces look surreal when it's just a building yeah but finding that one angle that one shot where you're like something feels off like it doesn't make sense to my eye what i'm seeing and like i really picked up that like a lot yeah um yeah i mean i can't imagine I, I don't know what the budget was on this, but I I can't imagine what he would do with like a Denise Delanue budget, like a oh, Dune, like a, yeah, like like a Dune a, budget, like two hundred million dollars. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, it would be. I think it would be like something that we had never have never seen before ever. Well, I think it'd be like what we saw on the uh, bonus features. That line he said, where uh, he said, was it Panos? Panos. Panos does everything in the B movie genre, but makes it all look like an A list movie, mm-hmm. an A movie. Like, like you said, yeah. his visuals and the camera work. And he said it. You know, he likes kind of that grain. He likes the look of a real life look and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean. Well, you know, you know what it would be like then. And I think this is a, a the the best parallel to pull from what you said there. So, Jodorowsky who did uh, Holy Mountain and yeah. all those, uh, El Topo and all that stuff. Yeah. Panos is obviously supremely inf- influenced by him. Yeah. Um, and then think about his version of June that didn't get made. Yeah. If he had got all that money and he had had Orson Welles and uh, bloody um, Mick Jagger and everybody else he's going to have in it. <laughs> that's what it would be like if he gave Panos 
like, but except I feel like he's way more grounded than Jodorowsky. I, I like, imagine, yeah. you know, he seems like a really like level headed, smart guy, but he's capable of playing in that like Salvador Dali esque like uh, expressionism. Yeah, but he's also like very like controlled, like and uh, so like. Maybe it wouldn't be like Jodorowsky's June would be. But I don't know. W- would you want to give a guy like this no, that kind of budget? I don't think exactly. I, want to give him that I mean, money. I would want to give him that kind of budget because you're not going to get what we the just creativity. Saw. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. like make it happen. You know what I mean? Like I think that he's working with his constraints and the budget, and like that's part of like his where his creativity comes from. Yeah, maybe if you give him two hundred million dollars, he would like blow his load. You know what I mean? And it would just be mm. like, I don't know. But somebody needs to give him more money. Like, I'm going to start a Kickstarter up, <laughs> crowdfund him, uh, subscribe to our Patreon, and we'll kick him a couple of bucks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then get another... It might be seen like the movie's last night documentary. There you go. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's long in the making. Or the we'll, fictionalized account we'll travel of, uh, to his house and hand him a big check. Yeah. Like, right, get to work. Yeah, uh, make sure the Southern Gentleman is played by Nicholas Cage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk spoilers, because that's, you know, let's get into it. See you soon. Zach's undressing. The AC's off. Yeah. One layer of clothing down for Zach. That's right. Steaming in here. Yeah. Not really, but getting comfy. Um, yeah, let's talk spoilers, guys. Let's um because just in general, like the 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 stuff that takes place is <laughs> I mean, it goes places. I like I a, a brief plot rundown. We'll do the the plot rundown right yeah. now. We'll make this our like a tradition of doing it. Um, I'll I'll attempt it if you guys want me to. Um, Give it a shot. We are introduced to a couple that is Nicholas Cage is Red and Andrew Riseborough is Mandy. You throughout the introduction of the movie, we get to see Cage returning home from work, but we don't really get a full answer about what he's doing. We see him traveling back home. He goes back home and then he they live outside in the woods in a place that i'm guessing is like pacific northwest that's where i got the vibe from was that's, like that was the vibe yeah, yeah that's kind of like i read it as that like because it's very rural where they live like out in the woods very beautiful very picturesque and a very weird house which we'll get um so we see this couple in a like kind of a quirky couple and they do have some like uh nice dialogue back and forth between them um but they seem like they're very much in love. They seem like two outsiders who found each other and very much in love with each other. And you can kind of feel that like close connection and that bond between them, which is like, a, like, so the movie starts with a very like almost romantic kind of, albeit like in that kind of like trippy-esque kind of styling, uh, a romantic setup for these two characters. Yeah. Love on LSD. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. <laughs> um, and what happens is on one, one occasion uh, we find out that uh, Mandy works at like a, she's an artist. She's, she draws a lot and she's making, um like you said, like the Frazetta style kind of like drawings, like the sci-fi fantasy art. Yeah. So she's pretty good too. Um, now I'm guessing she must do that as a hobby, but she works at like a local convenience store. Yeah. And one day, I guess she's returned. I, I think she's returning home from work. She's walking through the woods back to where she lives in the rural area. Um, and a van passes her. And in the van, you have very much the stereotypical Manson family style van. Yeah. So you have um, your long head, 
quirky, weird-looking outsider group. Uh, it's two women and I think four men, five men, um, all very kind of weird-looking, and they're driving mm-hmm. in a van. And uh, the guy who's in the front of the van, who will turn out to be our main uh, protagonist, um, he is uh, he catches eyes with Mandy as she's driving. He's driving by, and he just stares at her, and like he's like, and she kind of looks at him, but like, he's really looking at her. Mm-hmm. Um, she returns. Nothing else happens. The van drives by. She returns home. Uh, goes on about daily. Then we we cut across and we see we're introduced to these characters, this cult like um, cult like setup. Um, in the main lead, I forgot his name. What the hell's his name again? Julian. Julian Sands. Julian Sands. No, uh, that's, no, that's, that's an actor. That's an actor from Arachnophobia. Yeah, boxing Helena. Is it <laughs> oh, Julian Sands? Jeremiah. Jeremiah. We're doing a really good job with this plot recap, by the way. I should just read the bloody IMDb one, but I'm gonna try it. Um. So we're introduced to Jeremiah Sands and his in his crew, and he's very much like the long head Jesus Messiah type, like very seventies, like um, kind of give me like inherent vice kind of vibes a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's like he's sprawled out, and like we start introduced to some of these characters, and like we know he's very nefarious just by the way he's acting, and you could tell that he's very much in control of all these like misfits that he must have collected along the way, a la like um, Doctor Strange. You know how she collects all those like, um, mm-hmm. misfit characters, um, so. He uh he says to one of his disciples essentially he's like hey bring me that girl the girl that we saw today and the guy's like no worries I'm on it boss I'm gonna bring it to you um so the disciples head out into the woods to do some re- reconnaissance on Mandy figure out where she is um one of his disciples the elder lady comes across her in the, gro- the convenience store finds out where she lives you know and she goes I live down by um Crystal, Crystal Lake. Lake yeah Crystal Lake <laughs> and Zach's eyes lit up and he's like shit. Yeah, Jason Crossover. Jason Voorhees is coming in this movie. Um, what? It wouldn't surprise me if he did. Um, <laughs> and then, um, so they know where she lives, right? So they um, use some magical flute, which I forget the name of, um, <laughs> yeah, like Horn of Anubis or something. Yeah, like yeah, that. totally. The Ocarina of Time <laughs> yeah. from Zelda. They get, they give it to him, and like, um, he basically takes this flute down with a couple of henchmen, a couple of henchmen down to the down to the woods outside the house, blows on the flute. Right? Who shows up? Four riders of the apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mo- motorcycle gang, but they're all like basically like Cenobites dressed like, like characters from Hellraiser um, or show up out of the woods out of nowhere, right? They make this like weird blood deal where it's like blood for blood. So they basically, they're hiring these guys to break into the house, to take Mandy and to get rid of Red. And then um, in, in as a trade, they give him one of their lackeys, one yeah. of the ones that they don't like. It was this big chubby kid. They get rid of him. Um, so... All of this is um, the simplest way to describe it because it's very psychedelic when this starts mm-hmm, going down. Mm-hmm. So the Cenobites slash bikers break in the house, steal Mandy. So she's now taken hostage and they tie up Red. Okay, then they bugger off because they've got what they want. They take the chubby kid. Like, okay, we've got our payment. We're going to p- piss off back into the woods. Um, Jeremiah Sands descends upon the house, much like the Manson murders where they would just show up at... Um, What's her face's house? Um, Sharon Tate. Sharon Tate. Tate. Yep. Um, they descend upon the house, cause mayhem, and he basically he wants it for himself. I guess as like a like a sexual disciple. Um, they drug her, and um, he starts making moves, doing the whole like I'm a spiritual leader bullshit. Um, but what's really interesting is Mandy basically she sees him for who she for who he is immediately, despite the fact that she's like heavily under the influence. Drugs. Mm-hmm. She she sees him hooch and she laughs at him because she's mm-hmm. kind of like. And I suppose what's interesting about this movie, well, I'm not gonna get too sidetracked. 
Uh, she laughs at him, <laughs> basically shriveling his manhood, which yeah. is on display too oh, because yeah. he undresses himself and, and like, glor- like glorifies himself to it. And she basically laughs at him, makes him go fucking furious, freaks out. And he's like, okay, well, I had enough of this. So basically they decide to execute her. Um, so they drag her outside, they wake up Nicolas Cage, who's basically being barbed wired against mm-hmm. a post or something. Uh, and then they... Um, she's in a bag. She's in a bag. Gasoline. Lasso her over this like thing, hoist her up as if like hanging her upside down, set fire to her, burn her, she dies. Okay. Then what they've got what they wanted, they mock Cage for a little bit and then they piss off. And then they go back like on the road doing whatever they're going to do. Um, Cage takes a while, blacks out, wakes up the next day, kind of un- manages to unravel himself pretty grotesquely from the, from the, mm. the bondage. Um, then he basically blacks out, wakes up again the next day. Um, in one of the very few interior daylight scenes or like lit scenes where he goes into the bathroom. You know what mm-hmm. I'm talking about? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very jarring that scene because if you notice, that's the one time where the lighting's like real fluorescent lighting and not like stage lighting. Yeah, yeah. So it's really jarring. And I guess that's to trigger his, like symbolize his like awakening where he's like, holy shit, like the reality sets in. <laughs> he goes full cage for a little yeah, bit. He goes full cage. This is the beginning yeah. of the cage uh, yeah. in this movie. And then... um basically tracks down his old friend who I guess we think is like an old military friend who um, has his favorite trusty crossbow. For some reason, he's keeping it. Right from, underneath. Like like, a... I don't know why Cage couldn't have the crossbow in his house, but he picks up couldn't his crossbow. Couldn't be tempted. Couldn't be tempted. Yeah, totally. And this guy conveniently kind of knows the score. He knows a little bit about these bikers. He's heard tale of these bikers who were like, I guess, which is kind of cool. I don't know if you picked this up, but they were a bunch of bikers who were like drug running and they pissed off a drug dealer who like spiked them, heavy dosed them with LSD mm. and made them all, and they never came like, so what's interesting is the movie is playing with the notion of these being fantastical, like fantasy-esque characters, but then it's also undercutting it by saying like they're just drug addicts. Yeah, they're like, just... Like, dosed too high. They're just S&M, S&M drug addicts. Yeah, totally. Like, really fucked up people. Um, so he, he knows where they are. He gives, them, gives Cage a hint. And then Cage just basically goes on a rampage and works through every single person involved in the uh, murder of Mandy until he eventually ends up with... Um, not Julian Sands. Jeremiah Sands. Um, <laughs> Sorry. It goes the way you think it would. It goes yeah. through and it kills every single person. Movie ends. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's like what makes the movie <laughs> that much better is how they mix in the fantastical with the real storyline right next to each other. So mm-hmm. you know, you think you're seeing, oh, I know this is a psychological movie. They're just LSD, but then it'll pop in. No, you know those the riders are actually just riders. Yeah, because, yeah, because they don't have normal vo- voices. You know, yeah, it's, it's not like demons, they're yeah. talking like you and me, and maybe a little bit more gruff. It's like the voices that they have and that they use mm-hmm. are just not of this world. So you're like, no, wait, are are they? Are they? Are they not? What's going on? Yeah, yeah. they always have their faces pretty much covered or masked, um, and. What's so rapid yeah. to is scenes at night with light and dark that you can't at first, when you first start seeing them, you can't really get like any kind of detail on them because mm-hmm. they kind of move so quick. But then that one scene where they're up on the ridge with the red light coming yeah. behind them, that yeah. was like, that looks like some ball and shit. Like they're up, they're about to throw down. Yeah. yeah. Cause I mean, there's a couple things that happen. One, he hits one of them with his car and his car completely overturns yeah like that's not going to happen with a real person exactly you know? it's going to happen with it's that would be like if he hit a brick wall or something like that so that's another thing that kind of adds to it he shoots one of them with a crossbow right through the neck 
and he just pulls it right out and just like blood squirting everywhere mm. and just like doesn't even move or anything. So it's like you're you're adding this this kind of myth onto these characters. Um yet it's still kind of in the real world sort of thing. So it mixes that stuff like really, really well. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's that's what I liked at the end. I was like cuz I didn't want it to be either or. I wanted it, the LSD yeah. storyline is what gives it that believability like you know, this is what it's like, yo. You know, if you're tripping really bad on some real weird shit, this is probably what you're going to see. And But then it also gives you, you know, the reality part of it, too, at the very... Like, yes. the scene where it poses the Jeremy Jeremiah Sands face onto uh, Mandy's face. That's really... That was yeah. really And you don't notice yeah. it at first, but then you start seeing her mouth being where he's talking. And yeah. it's just a really cool visual scene oh, that yeah. they did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was like... I don't know about you guys, but like we were all silent when we were watching that part. And I was like, I think I felt like I was hypnotized when my mouth happened. was yeah. open. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, a lot of points of this movie, I was like, I was like tranced out yeah. when I was watching it because I was like zoning into what, what was mm -hmm. happening. Mm -hmm. uh, I think what I wanted to say early on was like, so when she laughs at him, when he basically he's like, okay, we're going to fuck. You know what I mean? Takes yeah, his, yeah. It, and like, it's so pathetic. And like, in, in the documentary, like the special features documentary, they're talking about like how I think Panos wrote like a um, dissertation about like toxic masculinity or when yeah, men's yeah. ego inflates so much like the damage it can do and how if it goes unchecked and like how grotesque it can be. And like, that's what's really brilliant about that scene is, yeah, we see Jeremiah Sand is like the epitome of like male fucking ego and like, like, yeah. like the Messiah complex, you know what I mean? And like mm -hmm. the whole like savior complex and like, when he's presenting himself to her and he undresses, he's so proud of himself, like a little boy who's like puffing his chest out and it's so pathetic. And when she laughs at him, that's really cool because it just, it, it shows how fragile that ego is, like how dangerous he is and how much he controls other people. But then if mm -hmm. you were like, that's, it hinges on this like very fragile line that you're breaking at any point. And I wonder if that's the, the same with all of these guys, like your Mansons and all of you, like, you know, mm -hmm. David Koresh, um, all of these guys, that guy who did that, um, Jim Jones. Yeah, Jim Jones. Like a lot of those guys, I wonder if like they're that easy to break because they're so like uh, narcissistic. Yeah. That like you can, you know what I mean? And like- As soon as you call them out on it, which is what she did, yeah. she's just like, come on. Yeah, and know? they get embarrassed and yeah, they're like, yeah. and they're like feel like small because they don't want to ever feel small or insignificant, um, which I thought was a really cool moment. So like, I know, I know we're moving around, but like my favorite scene in the movie, I don't know about you guys, my favorite scene in the movie is after he eventually kills Jeremiah Sands and it crushes his head in a real cool, like, um, yeah. <laughs> claymation style, yeah, like, really cool yeah. visual style. And then um, he's like, I'm your God now. And he crushes his head. But, like, the when he's driving back, we have a flashback scene. And it's the only one that we have. And it's obviously from, I think it's from when they met because they were in a bar and it looks yeah. like a biker bar. Yeah, yeah. And he's yeah. drinking and you can tell he's like working through some shit. And like he's drinking and he's in the bar by himself and he looks up and she looks at him. And like, they just kind of stare at each other. And it's like these two people, these two oddball misfits who meet each other across the eyes, across the room. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, yeah, we're like, we belong together. Like we they, see each other. They use that green emerald color yeah. to signify it too. Cause they talk about that early on how the emerald, the green, whatever yeah. inside. Yeah. yeah. And like also they use the green for like the different spiritual weapons and the yes. spiritual oh, flute right. and all that yes. shit. Mm -hmm. And then like when they make eye contact and then she starts to cry, there's a tear runs down her face. And it's almost as if like, she's uh, out of relief that somebody's actually seen her. Yeah. Because we do see that she has a scar across her face. So she's uh, obviously like, 
I, I'm guessing like insecure, like frail and like sheltered and like um, uh, they, when they see each other, they, and I thought that was very touching. And my only regret about that is, is I wish the movie had it ended a la, like, you know, irreversible. So like how the movie starts with them, the like spoilers for irreversible, like, but it's spoiled. It, it starts with the um, Vincent Cassell taking revenge on the guy who kills Monica Bellucci or rapes Mon Monica Bellucci. And then the movie plays in reverse and it goes back to their tenderness. And the, so like the movie starts like horrific, but it ends with like the tenderness of those two, mm -hmm. which makes it all the more impactful. I really wish if I could change one thing about the movie is that I wish that like we expanded that scene a little bit more, but oh, yeah. that scene's very effective and it yeah. does the job without having to over. But I think that would have been nice is like a counterbalance to everything else because like to the craziness of it. Yeah. Because yeah. there's something really, really beautiful about that scene. And mm -hmm. like, and for me, that that's what makes this movie a winner is it's hot. Yeah. Like it's got a lot of heart. You can really tell that they're kind of, they're very much in love. Even when they're, it, it's just like mundane stuff around the house. Like there's that scene where they're, they're both sitting in front of the television, eating dinner. Yeah. It's like mashed potatoes. And, and yeah, yeah. And they're just, they're both entranced with the television, yeah. but they're also very much kind of in tune, eating the same at the same time in the same way, very much, um, in the same headspace mm -hmm. too, yeah. or when they're laying down in bed next to each other, they're, uh, they're very kind of, uh, protective of each other and stuff like that. It's, it's not, it's not at all a distant relationship. Yeah. I think when you're, you know, talking about lying in bed, I think that conversation about planets and her favorite, I think that yeah. shows how not immature, but how something has happened to her where she got lost in a fantasy world. She didn't move forward as like an, yeah. an adult. Yeah, like um and keep progressing. She kinda got stuck. Arrested and then, development. Yes, yeah. and that's why yeah. she reads yeah. her fantasy novels and she does her painting and she says she's like, I like living out here. Peaceful. Yeah, because he says like, Hey, why don't we we should yeah. move out of this place? Like, you know, like, she, and like you could tell she's like, What she see almost her body tense up. She's like, yeah, What do you mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I don't want to leave here. Yeah. So like this is all little like I feel safe here. Yeah. Like I'm I'm with you, like I'm mm -hmm. I'm sheltered here, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And like um I thought that scene, yeah, about the favorite planets was really, really touching. And then interesting scene too, where they're lying on lying on the couch and like she's lying on him and he's asleep, and then she goes, Oh, you, you were having a bad dream. He goes, What was it about? He goes, I can't remember. Um, which reminded what you, what you said earlier on when you were like, you were talking about the movie and you were like, yeah, I've seen it twice, second time I've seen it, but I kind of forgot about like all of the visual elements in a way yeah. since last time you saw it. But like, that's kind of like a dream too, when you have like a crazy ass dream and then you, when you wake up immediately, you can kind of remember it, but then over time you just, it's gone. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, that's also nice. That's a nice loop to the logic of the, like the dream state of the movie. Yeah. And then also when Nicolas Cage does dream when he's blacked out it's an animation yeah it's yeah, all it's about cool manly too. and animated which i thought was really great yeah know? i'm i'm imagining maybe that's how she draws because remember yeah. remember when he's looking at it and he's like oh this is really amazing sort of thing i imagine that the animation that's in the in the movie like is drawings. is yeah a representation of what she draws yeah. I thought it would have been good if Nick Cage would have played the Jim Ryan Sands character on that one part where Mandy's tied up and he's like offering himself to her. And I thought that would have been just the most out of this world scene if Nick Cage would have gone. Yeah, but isn't there a danger though that like 
because we're not as familiar with the Linus Roach who plays Jeremiah Sands, maybe is that what makes him more effective? Because he he does come across kind of chilling in a way and kind of like disturbing. But smoother and not as yeah. abrasive. And, and stuff. I think that maybe it's like if Cage had done that, it might have been a bit more comical because it would be like also like, oh, there's Nicolas Cage with his dick out. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's, I don't know. I don't, th- I mean, I don't know that it would have gone that far. So. No. Well, no. I don't think it would have. I don't think it would have. And I was kind of, uh, I was disappointed in the way that Mandy went out because that's uh, a straight yeah. ripoff from the Friday the 13th remake that they did. That they, they burned a, a chick upside down in a body, in a sleeping bag. In a bag, yeah, sleeping bag. Mm. So I, I took away kind of the horror ass because I knew what they were about to do. And, you know, Cage's character, Red, didn't react the way I kind of thought he made. I he didn't really get. I know he's got the barbed wire and he's all restrained, but I was like, I would expect him to do like some weird scream where the barbed wire would cut his mouth and he would oh, just start yeah. bleeding really Fuck. bad. That's your twisted fun. That's your <laughs> twisted brain. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, dog. I'm sorry. No, I know you mean though. Like I, I was disappointed. I I'm not overall actually. I'm I'm more than happy with how it turned out. But oh, like yeah. as we were watching it. Because I like Mandy so much, I was sad to see that she she left so soon in the movie. Yeah. So soon, yes. Yeah. Uh, whereas I kind of, I in my head, I m- more imagined the the movie would play out like they would take her hostage and he would track her down. Yeah, that's kind of how I imagined it. I didn't realize it was going to be a straight up revenge movie. And then I think like it there was definitely parts of the movie after she died where I was like, is she going to come back in some kind of spiritual form? Are we going to have like some kind of like magical thing that would happen transpire that she would come back into his life? Mm-hmm. But then I think. A little bit, uh, like a little bit further into it, then that I realized that's not what he was going to do, and I was like, "Cool, I'm cool with it being just like a revenge movie." Yeah, um, with kick-ass chainsaw fights. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we can that the bathroom scene, the one that's just like really well lit. Yeah, I love that they kind of. He goes in there. He's in his tiger shirt. Yeah, God, I want that shit. The so bathroom bad. itself is is orange. It's yes. orange it color. There's a there's a tiger in the movie. There's a tiger in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's like it, it, they're they're playing. They're connecting all the dots and mm-hmm. everything you, the, with the foreshadowing and and stuff like that and and um the metaphors and stuff like that. I love that he's he's in the bathroom going cage caging you know like a caged animal like yeah. a caged animal mm-hmm. down in the vodka like uh why did he have vodka in the bathroom i i in the cabinet in the, too just hiding it's just, it was it was yeah. hiding yeah yeah, yeah. i don't because i don't think that he probably drinks heavily in front of her i i, I don't know but oh, he, uh, or he could be a oh so at the beginning of the movie where he's on the, I don't know if he's on a helicopter, but he's flying out from where he works oh, and like, offers him a drink. Beer, and yeah. he's like, no. And he met her when he's a bomb. Maybe he was an alcoholic who yeah. was like bottoming out. Like you're saying Vietnam War. Yeah. Maybe. And then in, and that's also why he just tanned that bottle of vodka. Like he was like, I don't like pro, nothing. You know what yeah. I mean? Like leaving Las Vegas style. Yeah. Well, like, the little scene, in the little things in that scene where he's grabbing his throat to keep it open so he can chug more vodka, like little things like that. I was like, this guy is like really taking this drinking scene, this crazy. Yeah, scene. Like he's he's trying to his get down the whole bottle. And I feel no. like when they're filming that scene, that's probably him being like, "I'm gonna try to get this whole bottle. <laughs> I don't know, just get it down." Yeah, yeah that's maybe his his demon. Is that he was in a, a, like a, you know yeah. suffering from PTSD, became an alcoholic. You know what I mean? It's yeah. kind of fun how we can piece together his backstory and like try and make up what we think it is. <laughs> uh, I did uh, I did find it funny, and I, I mentioned this earlier. Uh, Bill Duke, who plays his yeah. we're thinking war friend. You know, it's set in 1983, and like he's in Predator in 1984, 
or whenever Predator came out. So it's like he was in Predator like a yeah, couple years yeah, after yeah. that this movie is set in. Yeah. And I was just like, that's just a trip. That's trippy in itself yeah. without the LSD <laughs> yeah. in the storyline. Actually, great casting of him. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. was great. He's always great good. Great use of the Duke. Uh, yeah. Like, actually, like, I was really shocked that it was him because I was wondering who was going to be inside that little... Um, caravan fuck or whatever it was caravan. yeah fuck off caravan. <laughs> yeah. Um, but i was really yeah great casting him you know what else this thing is funny too is that like they mention it in the documentary too um like there's no tonal whiplash in this movie and there is no tonal whiplash this movie's funny in parts where we, mm-hmm. we were all like mm-hmm. laugh out loud funny it's grotesque it's scary it's beautiful it's touching it's moving um it's disturbing but at no point does it feel tonally uh inaccurate yeah. like yeah. It all works together, hand in yeah. hand, symbiotically. Yeah, because I mean, there's there's those scenes where he is, um, he gets he gets captured again by the bikers, and he's chained up, and he cracks, he's like chained up, and the guy says, and he cracks a joke. He just he yeah. cracks oh, that's a my joke. Shirt. Yeah. That was one he, oh yeah, he's, he slices his shirt, and he's like, oh, that was my favorite shirt. Yeah, shirt totally. And you're just like. <laughs> you're in a bad spot, bro. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but he's just cracking a joke. And then, um, and then he's going through that little, um, mobile home area. And it's just the most horrific crimes of, of against humanity have happened. It's like oh, they, right. they've completely, um, taken over this person's, uh, it's this like couple, old, this old couple. couple yeah. yeah. They're, uh, their mobile home or whatever it was and like killed them horribly. I might add, uh, especially the, the man, I don't want to think about it anymore. Oh, um, oh God, especially with a guy with a prosthetic. But, but I mean, it, even, even through all that and then like he goes and, and he fights that guy, there's, and he has that that big prosthetic like dildo, like blade dildo. And yeah. it's like it's so absurd and hilarious. And and they end up in the most bloodiest fight ever. And it's like slashes and it slashes his throat and blood spraying everywhere. And he's just he's just lapping it up, you know. And yeah. and um yeah, and then he then when it, everything's said and done, he just scoops up a big old chunk of what you assume is cocaine. What I probably more assume it's probably meth um because uh, i don't think i don't think these guys like are as highbrow to have that much cocaine on them i yeah, I, right. I, don't, I don't i don't know, know. the slam in 80s it could be like anything like yeah. like yeah like whatever it was it was a lot of it but It'd he did a big old hit. laundry detergent yeah. probably yeah, yeah right the brain cells <laughs> and that stuff it, it, yeah because i don't think drugs do it for them anymore no, because totally. of, because of how they're changed inside so they, well, they just love pain that, yeah you know how much drugs don't do it from so you know like after that scene he does the bump massive bump of coke off the pane of glass while that guy like, the, the, the guy was watching like a pawn on mm-hmm, the tv yeah. mm-hmm. that whole thing is like the grimy is like so grimy. It was if yeah. you took seven and like times it by like a hundred. Yeah. You know, like in terms of like grime, it was Let's like grimy as place. Take the class out of it. Oh my god. <laughs> Let's do this. And then um, then he goes across the kitchen and he's like, we thought he was going to make himself a sandwich because it looks like he's going through the kit. But it's funny how he finds like his crossbows in the in the cabinet drawer and then he finds and his axe is like above like a yeah. sick, like axe that he makes. Which is very like heavy metal style, like you know what I mean? Oh like, yeah, when he's when he's creating that, it's yeah, just it's, it's so like, great. Demon like Slayer axe or whatever. <laughs> oh it is. yeah. Um, but then he he finds that jar of liquid, and and 
and it turns out like the what that is is that's the LSD that they they put the tabs on. Mm-hmm. So like so and those tabs must be insanely strong. So like that mason jar full of liquid LSD. I can own God only knows how strong that is, right? And he he dips his finger in it and he puts it on his tongue, he all it up, and then his head melts and he goes like super like psychedelic. <laughs> but what's crazy if you flash back to when the like the evil like the writers of the apocalypse or whatever they're called, when they show up outside Mandy's house and they do that blood pact, yeah. they, one of the guys from the cult gives him a mason jar of that stuff <laughs> and he chugs <laughs> the whole thing <laughs> down the house. That's how much LSD that, that guy yeah. does. He's like drug lord and that's why like there's yeah. snot and stuff coming from their mouths yeah. half the time when they're talking it's like a, just brain, animals. brain melted brain melted <laughs> yeah. like full on like just breaking down to like the, the most primal and like like berserker state oh, you could yeah. be in you yeah. know a character i thought would it was probably could have been more nefarious was the older lady of the cult because she felt like she, i get she was shunned yeah maybe at one yeah. point she was the the lady of the night for yeah, uh yeah. jeremiah and then he got that new a younger girl later. yeah and then yeah. now he's the only then, person that gets away i was yeah. gonna i was gonna say uh, yeah that's the only one that he doesn't kill and i don't know why but she's the only one that seems to show remorse mm. the, there's she a few scenes cry. where she looks and she looks uncomfortable with what's, what happen- with what's happening. She's the only character that does. So I don't know whether like thematically that's why they spare her, mm. even though she still takes part in all of this shit. Yeah, yeah. So really, in my opinion, it doesn't matter. She's still abhorrent. Yeah. But she does get away with it. And he, he, she's the only one that we see get, get away. And I guess that's why, because she shows, shows her most. Yeah. The old lady, though, I, you're totally right, though. She was probably like the she's number one girl. little puppy. His like number one. And then... And, and, but she, when Cage before Cage beheads her, which I think is really funny, and then she's like, "Oh, I've been told that I was the greatest lover, and I can, you know what I mean." And she's like, plea bargaining with him, like, you know what I mean? As if though, as if, yeah, as if he's gotten <laughs> to that point, he's beaten to hell. He has like nine poisonous tetanus wounds all over his body. He's been kicked to shit. He's Stab- killed like ten stabbed people. Stabbed in his side. Stabbed in his Jesus side. Jesus spear. He's this close to avenging the love of his life, who got burnt alive in front of him. And as if. In the middle of the catacombs, he's going to turn around and go, ah, yeah, actually, like, we'll just have sex right here. Yeah. Like, what? Come on. No, you got to die, lady. Yeah. Time's up. Get I did like how it. he killed the uh, the one cult member fella who helped kidnap the girl with that spear knife, just down oh, the throat, yeah. slowly oh, but yeah. surely yeah. all the way down. Yeah. You know what's funny, too, is like, I I mean, I'm fine with gore. Like, gore, if it's like, if I can take myself in the abstract with it. And I think that's why this is, I'm, I'm fine with the gore in this mm-hmm. because I could see it in the abstract because it's so surreal that yeah, it's, exactly, it's like, yeah. and like, so as, as violent as it is, it, it, it definitely gave me like Peter Jackson style vibes, like the violence in terms of like what, um, dead or alive or like, you know what I mean? Dead alive, that yeah, movie. Yeah. Um, it definitely gave, and Panos obviously is a, like of the age where he probably grew up watching all those movies. Yeah. Um, so he's like very like Sam Raimi style. There's a lot of Sam Raimi kind of energy in this. In there, yep. So he's very like, he's kind of like a greatest hits director where he's like channeling all these like really cool, like very specific genre style, like low budget heroes. And he's like channeling that whole thing. And like, he's just, he's learned from all these. I bet he's like one of these kind of guys, maybe he's work. I don't know too much about him, but I, I wonder if he's one of these guys who worked in a video store and like just was absorbing by osmosis all of this stuff. Because he does say in that documentary too that he's like, um, he would look, he would remember when he was a kid and he'd go to the video store and he'd pick up like the video nasties or like the, like the horror movies with the really cool covers and he'd Mm -hmm. be like, whoa, I wonder what that's about. I did that shit when I was a kid. I remember like vividly seeing horror movie VHS tapes with like really graphic covers or like crazy ass paintings. 
and my mind would race as to what they were about. Like I remember, remember that movie Monkey Shines? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, the Monkey Shines cover was always stuck in my head, like that drawn cover and like the artwork. And as a kid, I would always see that and I would always be like, I wonder what it's about. So like <laughs> messed up and like weird. And, and I think that's cool how he mentions that. And yeah. that's kind of like what he's, his thing for Mandy was to like, to, to basically make that movie he imagined as a kid on one of those video covers into a movie. Yeah. yeah. And I think he achieved it 100% yeah. with yeah. a plum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, like anything else? Are we, are we, are we mandied out? I Those two slices of pizza are kicking in for yeah. me right now. <laughs> getting the sleepy pizza. I think, I think all around. Yeah. This was probably one of my more favorite of this year so far. Yeah. Just I mean, because I, like I said, I wasn't expecting what to expect. And yeah, uh, yeah. I probably would have not seen this movie because, because it's been out since 2018. I probably would have. But yeah, I love when I get surprised with a good flick. It gets, yeah. And like Scott says, you almost get like, this is the best fucking movie I've seen ever. You know, yeah, ever. what's yeah. also kind of cool about it is like, you guys didn't That's see so a trailer me. for it. You didn't. No, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'd seen a trailer ages ago, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's yeah. like, so you had no idea what you were kind of getting into. And I was almost giddy in a way. As I turned it on, I was like, yeah, every, is everybody yeah. ready? Yeah. yeah, you did. Like, I remember when you pressed play on the, on the Blu-ray, you were like, is everybody doing the drugs? Yeah. Everybody ready to, ready to fly? <laughs> Strap yourselves in. We're about to take off. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, like, it's, that is me, Zach, though. Like, I, I, I do get like that. And, like, but I think it's just because I love movies so much. And Ooh, I love I mean, it when I, I see something that makes me excited like that. Mm. Um, and I would, for me, I would put this movie... This is like an all timer for me. So it's like, in the, I think about, I'm going to remember seeing this movie for the first time forever because mm -hmm. it's our, our 50th celebration. Yeah. It's like, it's, we're all, I'm going to always remember the first time we did a podcast together in the same room. Mm -hmm. I'm always going to remember the fact that we all sat down and did it this way and watched Mandy. And like, so the movie's going to be special for me because of that. But not only that, the movie's special because it's special. So I would like, if for me, it reminds me of like, you know, when you have those all timers, like there's movies that you always bring up, but not like nostalgia movies for when you're a kid, but like movies that like you'll take with you as, a, as a, an influence in like how you grew up with cinema. Mm -hmm. So like, I think of like the most recent example, I think is maybe like Drive. Like first time I saw Drive oh, and I was yeah. like aware of like Refn and that style of filmmaking. And I was like, this is different than the filmmakers that I, I watch right now. And this is, this feels unique and it feels like really cool. And this is like a new experience for me. Um, this is what this movie was. This is like a new experience. It's like a gateway into a style of movie that I normally don't watch. Yeah. Like I, I wouldn't watch like El Topo, Holy Mountain, or I mean, like yeah. Beyond the Black Rain. I, those are the kind of movies I know people love, but I'm not really into like surrealistic mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Um, but now I'm like, this was my gateway movie. And like, this is be special for me forever because like now I'll be like way more bra like brave in a sense or open to watching shit that normally I wouldn't. Because you know I mean, I mean yeah. He heart, I mean, he took a lot of, like I said, the 60s psychedelic, 70s type of LSD drug movies and stuff like that, and added the horror, the thriller, the romance, the yep. drama, just really two good characters in um, Red and Mandy. Yep. So, like, yeah, it's like all genres combined, and it's just, it is a sensory uh, overload, so it really keeps you interested and then it helps you appreciate the slower parts too yeah um, totally. because it is so in your face and stuff like that but yeah yeah yeah, yeah i yeah, i don't think um i i would find it hard hard to find something like this in current in current cinema with the with the in like the last five ten years you know oh yeah um I yeah i mean i think maybe titan came close mm -hmm. yep mm -hmm. um 
but uh, it, but almost a very different style too. Uh, though. Very yeah. yeah, very different style. So I mean, movies like that, like Titan, like like Mandy, uh, you are not going to come across very often. So uh, it is. If you haven't seen it, then it's something. And if you're watching, if you're just listening to this before you watched it, you just ruined it for yourself. But mm-hmm. um, it is it is something that uh, is very kind of special and unique. And, and I'm very interested to see what he does in the future because I think he has a very kind of original. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And I was thinking too, like I know I mentioned Drive, and I was talking about movies will be like old timers that stick with me. Um, there's a through line I've realized between all of those movies is that I think I really like movies about love stories. And I think really, I think it's because Drive's a love story. So the yeah. scene in Drive where he, uh, he goes to um, Oscar Isaac just gets out of prison and he's in the, have you seen Drive? Okay. Ahead, oh, can. well, I don't, this isn't really a spoiler much, but he, um what well, kind of is whatever um so uh, he goes to oscar isaac's uh, party when he gets out of prison and he's already familiar with uh, carrie mulligan uh, like the, the you know, they've had mm-hmm. like a bit of a me cute or whatever and then like he's at the party and then like um he's, he's no he's not at the party she's at the party and he he's like next door because he lives in the same building as it and he just comes out and hears the music and she comes out because she just needs a break from the party yeah and then she stops and she looks at him and they just look at each other yeah and like and then that look is like they undo that look later on in the elevator scene, but that look where they, it's really interesting because there's that look is the, what connects them. And then there's a look in the elevator where it's the break between them. Mm-hmm. But, but that initial look in, in the hallway where she's just getting outside and you can hear the music throbbing through the wall and they both just look at each other. And it's like, like that amazing connection between those two that they have that in Mandy too. Yeah. And then like, so I think like that's a through line in movies that I like is like, I like movies that have like an emotional, like a, um, like a, lo- I, I like love stories, I guess. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, but it could come in any f- way or shape or form. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It could be, you know what I mean? Like, but oh yeah, maybe it's that. That's interesting. I learn it. I'm learning something about myself. <laughs> it took me 50 episodes to learn a goddamn <laughs> thing about myself. What are you going to learn at 100? Well, we know what we are Yo, doing at 100. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing pretty in pink. That's right. So, that's right. And I have my theories. Mm-hmm. I have my theories. I think I'll blow your mind. I think you will. And also think about it, Pretty in Pink, arguably my all-time favorite movie, um, Love Story. Yep. Yep. You know? You're hopeless. I did. Oh, well, I know. Whatever. I don't mind. But I'll talk about it a little bit more. So I was talking to our friend today and uh, like, I'll not name her because I, I shouldn't really podcast if they don't podcast. But she was talking about, uh, I'm wearing my Pretty in Pink shirt as mm-hmm. we record this. And she was talking about the movie and she was saying like, have you seen Pretty in Pink? Like, yeah, you have. Good. Um, she was saying like how she really wished he, uh, um, Andy didn't end up with Blaine. And I guess uh, John Hughes wrote a version of the script where she actually ended up with Ducky mm-hmm. and then they decided not to go with it and go with Blaine. But really those two choices, Ducky is, um, Ducky is difficult as a character in general in hindsight, mm-hmm. as you get older, because mm-hmm. he does a lot of like really weird, like love bombing and like really weird, like, um, like he's a very, like, he's kind of a toxic character ducky but then again so is blaine yeah in a way because blaine sh- shares a lot of those kind of like negative traits but you know who doesn't <laughs> who? steph 
James Spader's character. And it's funny because she said to me today, our friend, she was like, I kind of wish Shadow ended up with James Spader. And like, cause he's like, he's the most fun out of all of them. And he's also the one, he's interesting You need to enough, stop talking right now. He's also the one who kind of knows who she is. He just knows her. Yeah. Granted, he's a dick, yeah. but he actually understands her and he yeah. actually knows her when he talks to her. He's the only one that actually talks to her for who she is. Yeah. God, save uh, it for just, yeah, episode you, better, you better stop episode it because we're going to get... Episode 51 has just begun. Yeah, right. <laughs> Pretty in Pink is in progress. Science <laughs> Kevin, the God is driving up. Isn't that interesting? Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm i telling you, I have long theories about oh, Pretty okay. in Pink. Dude, that, I cannot wait. Yeah. We've only got to get through another fucking 49 episodes to get to it. Um, we're going to start doing uh, three episodes a week, lads, just to get that faster. <laughs> I don't think that AMC stubs. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm going to take this just before we wrap up, then I'm going to take this one moment to say like, hey, thank you so much uh, to Eric for hosting this. Oh, yeah. Um, this has been a dream of mine for us to do it all in person because we started this like what, like mid 2021. It was still kind of locked down. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, not really, but we kind of we, we, we kind of locked ourselves down for a bit and like. It, this has always been a dream for us to do it in person. I feel like this is the the closest realization if we had if we've had of like what we en- envisioned the podcast being, which is like watching a movie then immediately talking about a oh, movie, yeah, yeah. which is what yeah. we did there, which yeah. is kind of like how our friendship started, Eric, and then like what's what we do with Zach when we hang out too. So like, um, I want to thank you for hosting it and graciously and like yeah, uh, a delicious Eric. pizza it was really good. Yeah. Shout out to Bombers Pizza <laughs> yeah. in Tennessee, delicious pizza. Um, and yeah really really enjoyed the experience and then also i really want to thank you zach for coming in and like just being a legend on the podcast you know what i mean and also it's always fun i know I that when it. we started on the podcast and you, you started c- contributing you were just recording from home and you were doing things separately and like i'm really pleased that now you're like a, like a major player like a main you're like the main line guy you know what i mean i mean i have a blast i yeah. I, I like doing those little five minute reviews because I, i'm a little bit gun shy on the walkie yeah. on the microphone so but yeah it's it's always fun hanging out yeah. with you guys i yeah. love doing it yeah. yeah and i feel like you're totally coming in your own now with the podcast too so it's like really fun so thank you both for this and um thank you to everybody who's listened i've seen the stats i know when people have listened i know who hasn't been listening and like i know when we've had episodes that have done pretty well and when we had episodes that haven't but even if you're just one of those people who like one of the few people who listen to, I don't know, the like um, one of our, I don't, I don't know, like an episode that didn't do very well, even if it's just one of the two people who listen to it, like, thank you so much for everybody who listens. Even if you just listen for 10 minutes, it's like, it makes it worthwhile when we're doing, I'd still do this, even if nobody listened, because I don't give a shit, because it's mm-hmm. like hanging out with my mates and having yeah. fun. But thanks to the people who have listened and like stuck around with the show. Um, really appreciate it. And um, onwards and upwards from here, guys. Oh, yeah. Episode 50 onwards. Another you fifty, I mean? yeah. Well, <laughs> big thanks to you too, now. Scott, because you've uh, you've got me a setup. You've hooked me up with my setup here and give me all sorts of pointers on audio and stuff like that. So, uh, and you take care of a lot of stuff. You do the editing. So oh yeah, yeah. we totally. definitely appreciate that for sure. Yeah, awesome. My you're, pleasure. You're the muscle. You're yeah. the muscle of the podcast. I mean, it looks like it too. <laughs> I see a couple of scrawny guys in front of me. Okay, a thanks, guy wearing <laughs> swim trunks right now. Yeah, I wish you could see this. Zach's swim trunks look fire. Super cool. Um, okay, uh, thanks everybody. All right, take care. See ya. Yeah.